The date is Tuesday the 15th of August. I'm Jason England and welcome to Learn Something, the official podcast of NewRisingMedia.com where I consume your brain space with weird and wonderful facts you've probably never heard before. And today is the perfect 10. It's the 10th episode of Learn Something and it's a very apt time to reflect like i feel like it's a good opportunity for me to take a look back and see how this show is doing and i can sum it up in two words thank you literally thank you so much to all the people who have been listening who have been subscribing to the podcast who are following it on anchor um thousands of followers thousands of listeners like for example Yesterday, we had over 240 people listening to this one show. Now, I know that chances are there's going to be a lot of other anchor stations out there who have thousands of listens, but for something like this, for something that I started doing as a bit of fun, to see so many people enjoying it is just mind-blowing. So thank you all for listening, and thank you all for enjoying. Thank you all for calling in. Thank you all for applauding the station. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. But anyway, let's get on with the show. Today is Tech Tuesday Part 2. So I saw last week that the most popular episode that I did was this one about technology. So we're going to bring it back for another day. Um, We're going to be going in-depth into four different companies and exposing some weird, some controversial some positive and some a little bit more questionable facts about Google, Apple, Facebook and YouTube. And then of course we're going to cap it all off with everybody's favourite, the trivia time. Let's get going. This is going to be a fun one. And just a quick note before I kick off here, if you want to submit your own weird and wonderful facts, then do call into the show. I'm just as much of a fan as weird and wonderful trivia as you all are. And I'm all ears. So don't be a stranger. The way to do so, um, pop onto the App Store or Google Play if you don't have Anchor at the moment and download the app called Anchor. That's where I'm broadcasting this from at the moment. And take a look for my station. You can find it by tapping on the magnifying glass which is on the bottom of the app screen. And by looking in the category of Learn Something, you'll see lists of um, the best stations on Anchor by type. And you'll see us under the category of Learn Something, alongside really other great stations like Let Me Google That For You and a whole load of others that I do recommend you go check out. But tap onto that. Give us a favorite while you're there because every little helps. and tap the speech bubble, which is to call into the station and you can share your weird facts with me directly there and then. Any that I get, I will echo onto the station. So your voice can be heard by thousands of people across the planet. I can't overstate that enough. Please call in, don't be a stranger. It'd be great to hear some crazy, crazy facts from you all. And we kick off with Google, which was began in January 1996 as a research project between Larry Page and Sergey Brin. 
both PhD students at Stanford University in Stanford, California. But did you know that Google wasn't originally called Google? That was not the original name they had for it. It turns out Page and Brin originally nicknamed their new search engine Backrub. Why Backrub? A particularly weird name, if I do say so myself. Well, it's because the system checked backlinks to estimate the importance of a site, and this was how it became important to categorize yourself highly amongst Google. Eventually, the name changed to Google, the name of the search engine that originated from the misspelling of the word Google. So G-O-O-G-O-L, the number one followed by a hundred zeros is what that means, which was picked to signify that the search engine was intended to provide large quantities of information. Also, quick surprise facts, Google ran under Stanford University's website, meaning that you could only access it by typing in google.stanford.edu. Next up, I take you back to the 16th of August, 2013. Google went dark for 4 minutes and 52 seconds. It went down for a roughly 5 minutes, as you heard from that specific time. But the outage, which reportedly affected most of Google services worldwide, led to a staggering 40% drop in global internet traffic. According to the analytics firm GoSquared, Google.com had a huge effect in the number of pages coming into the real-time tracking of GoSquared. As, as a graph that they show of the global page views per minute shows, it shows literally a cliff dive of numbers. As internet users, our reliance on Google.com being up is huge. It's also a note that page views spiked shortly afterwards as users managed to get to their destination. So people were probably waiting patiently. So the brief blip, how much do you think it might have cost? Well, estimates say it might have cost Google around about $500,000 in lost revenue. And the impact on the rest of the digital economy was likely far greater. That is mental. Okay, so the next fact is going to be me testing a new segment with you guys. I want to know what you guys think of it. Basically, what's happened up until now is that every episode has been a series of random facts based around a topic. Excuse the email notification there. But I want to make this a bit more current as well. I want to help give you guys more knowledge around current conversations and news that is happening in the world today. So this is going to be a more in-depth fact around a breaking news story that you haven't heard of that is not meant to sway any decisions whatsoever. It's to give you guys a fuller picture of a news story that is currently happening at the moment. So if you like it, give it a round of applause, favorite the station to follow for more, but more importantly, do let me know in the comments, in the discussion, or in the review of the podcast that you give on Apple Podcasts or wherever. Okay, let's try this out. On average, 19.8% of the workforce in the big five Silicon Valley companies are women. The worst of those being Google, 
which in 2016 reported that just 13% of its workforce was female. This follows a recent anti-diversity manifesto that was written by a Google employee to the internal Google networks, which went quote-unquote internally viral and was eventually leaked to the press. Summing it up, it is believed that there are gender gaps at Google as a result of biological differences between men and women, according to this one man, that women are unsuited for tech because they like people, whilst men like things. Understandably, this got a huge backlash of outrage and anger, and it's all completely warranted for such a archaic view as this. Google CEO Sundar Pichai released an internal email to all employees condemning this rhetoric, saying the following, Portions of the memo violate our code of conduct and cross the line by advancing harmful gender stereotypes in our workplace. Our job is to build great products for users that make a difference in their lives. To suggest a group or of our colleagues have traits that make them less biologically suited to that work is offensive and not okay. It is contrary to our basic values and our code of conduct, which expects each Googler to do their utmost to create a workplace culture that is free of harassment, intimidation, bias, and unlawful discrimination. While I agree with Sundar's written sentiment here, this is simply not the sentiment that's put into practice across the company, as I will expose in the next fact. In the media storm surrounding this memo leak and the response to it, it's easy to miss that more than 60 women are considering suing Google, claiming sexism and a pay gap, with the former staff saying they have earned less than men despite equal pay. James Finberg, the civil rights attorney working on the possible legal action on behalf of the female employees, told The Guardian they contend they have earned less than men despite these equal qualifications and comparable positions. He says that there is a culture that is hostile to women. And this is hot on the heels of the anti-diversity manifesto that talks about these biological differences. They are concerned that women are channeled to levels and positions that pay less than men with similar education and experience, Finberg said. Despite these similar positions and qualifications, he said, some women said they made less than male counterparts in salary, bonus and stock options. Several women that he interviewed even said that they made about $40,000 less than male colleagues doing the same work with one woman saying she makes two-thirds of a male peer's salary. Of the 60 women who have reached out to the attorney in the last three weeks, about half still work for Google, who said that more than a dozen claimed that discrimination played a role in their decision to leave the company. So this isn't just a one-off, super big freak-out moment for Silicon Valley. It's a silicon, it's a silicon, it's a symptomatic problem across the entire industry. And it's a virus of negative thinking that needs to be diagnosed and cured. So that was my attempt at a brand new segment that I want to introduce into this podcast, which 
takes the idea of introducing new facts and trivia that you've probably never heard of, but applying that to current news stories in order to help give you a fuller picture of what is really going on behind the big headlines and the media noise that usually surrounds these big controversies. If you enjoyed it, if you're listening on Anchor, do give the segment a round of applause. Um, if you want to call in with your own stories around it, or if you have your own thoughts on it, then do call in, pop up on the discussions and drop us a comment. I'd be good, love to have like a good conversation with somebody about this. Or if you're listening to this on podcasts, get me at Twitter at Mr. Jason England and let's have a chat about it and let me know whether you want to hear more segments like it. Okay, back to the traditional format. Now, if you know anything about technology, chances are you know that one of the most regular stories that comes out between two companies is patent lawsuits or patent lawsuits to my American listeners out there. Um, and this is simply the battles that happen between companies who say we own the broad patent to this technology, pay us money or settle in court or give us a cut of your profits. Um, so it turns out that Google is no stranger to this and Google has a patent search facility with over 8 million patents in its library. You can take a look at all of them by going onto google.com slash patents. And one of them, quite interestingly, is a patent for karma. I'm just gonna stay quiet for a second there so that you can have that sink in a little bit. Um, so reading the abstract, embodiments of the present invention provide methods and systems for assigning a karma to users of a social network. So think of the religious practice there and apply that to social media. And apparently Google owns a patent for that. Honest to God, they're gonna patent the entire religion next. Let's see what happens. Next up, we're turning to Apple and we're gonna go back in history. On this very day, August 15th in 1998, the original iMac went on sale. After three months of anticipation, the original iMac G3 went on sale in what the colour was called Bondi Blue. It became well known for its colourful case which bucked the industry norm beige. However, it is also known for being the first commercially successful computer to eliminate the use of legacy ports and the floppy drive. Widely criticised at the time for not including the older technologies by only featuring USB ports and peripheral connectivity, the iMac helped popularise the emerging standard, even on Windows PCs. And when was the last time anyone has ever seen a beige PC? This one particular writer recalls helping his uncle purchase one of the first iMacs at a CompUSA store on the first day. There were only 15 available and they were only early enough to grab one before they quickly sold out. And yes, he was totally jealous, but at least he got to help set it up. Next up, the iPod, that popular music player that you may have heard of, just may have. But anyway, um, turns out that the iPod wasn't as new or as innovative or as revolutionary as people thought it was. It turns out that a guy called Kane Kramer 
owned the patent to the design of the iPod nearly 30, well, over 30 years ago. I got that very wrong there, I do apologise. Um, over 30 years ago, way back in 1979. It turns out he owned the patent for what he called his IXI portable media player that could play a mind-busting 3.5 minutes of music. It was Kramer's dream for this IXI prototype to be his ticket out of obscurity and into technology history as one of the first ever players of its size and its magnitude. Unfortunately, he didn't raise enough venture funding to renew the patent on his IXI in 1988 and it went largely into obscurity. Fast forward to the launch of the iPod and Apple was in a bit of a legal jam with Burst.com surrounding the actual patent of the design of the iPod. So there was a bit of an argument between the two companies over who owns the original design and the original idea of a portable music player of this type. Well, to help settle this case out of court, Apple actually brought Kane Kramer into the mix and admitted that a British man invented the iPod behind like over 30 years ago but has not seen a penny from his invention. The documents filed by Apple in the court case show the US firm acknowledged him as the father of the iPod. That to me is pretty crazy. And even though he was unable to raise the £60,000 needed to renew his patents across 120 countries, it turns out he hasn't actually been paid a penny for it. He's been admitted as the father of the iPod, but no money has gone towards him. Next up, cameras. For years upon years, the cameras in the iPhone have continuously been getting better and better, but they still have a way off from what the human eyes can see. So on average, the human eye contains around 576 megapixels, while the iPhone 7 only has 12 megapixels and the currently rumoured iPhone 8 or iPhone X or whatever the new iPhone will be called has a 16 megapixel camera in it. So it's gonna it's gonna be a while before things look as good as they do to the human eye. And finally in the Apple category of this show needlessly expensive tat. And no, I'm not talking about any of the gadgets that Apple sells. Turns out that there was an iPhone app that cost $1,000. And the only reason for it to exist was to show off how rich you are. Literally called I Am Rich, the program displayed a red gem, has no function but to display your wealth to others through ownership. And it has since been removed from the App Store which is unsurprising. I Am Rich isn't the most clever piece of art, but it's not that bad either. For some, the iPhone is already an obvious display of wealth and I Am Rich is commenting on that. Plus, buying more than you need as an indication of wealth is practically a core value of the American slash worldwide capitalist life for a growing segment of the population. Is paying $5,000 for a rich wristwatch or 50 grand for a car? when much cheaper alternatives exist really all that different from paying a grand for an iPhone app? You decide.
Next up, we're heading on over to everyone's social media addiction, Facebook. Today I learned that in honor to the social media site's role in the Egyptian revolution, an Egyptian man named his daughter Facebook. Egyptian father Jamal Ibrahim has reportedly named his newborn daughter after the social media site. Quoting from Al Hahram newspaper, a young man in his 20s wanted to express his gratitude about the victories the youth of 25th of January have achieved and chose to express it in the form of naming, naming his firstborn girl Facebook. The girl's family, friends and neighbours in the Ibrahimia region gathered around the newborn to express their continuing support for the revolution that started on Facebook. Facebook received many gifts from the youth who were overjoyed by her arrival and her new name. The name, obviously, shocked the world. Of course, this is surrounding the time when Facebook was used to organise the initial protests in Tahrir Square to help fight for Egyptian freedom. Next up, when Facebook moved into their first office, their first headquarters, um, the graffiti artist who created a bit of art on the wall took shares in the company instead of cash for painting what painting the murals that he did in Facebook's HQ and it turns out that when it went through its initial public offering the company he made 200 million dollars so that means his graffiti on the walls of Facebook's first HQ was worth one-fifth of a billion dollars that is crazy and I hope you bought a lot more spray paint with that. Next up, data privacy on Facebook, which, and social media in general, which is one of the big points of contention between people and their trust of these internet services, which has been shown by this very harsh graph that shows that 18% of Facebook users trust the social network to protect its data and privacy. This is according to a digital trust survey by Business Intelligence. It, all the way down at number five is Instagram with 7% trust. Number four is YouTube with 9%. Number three is Twitter with 13 And Facebook is just behind number one, which is Snapchat with 20%. Either way around, that level of trust is pretty low. I mean, it's lower than the approval ratings for the current president, which are the lowest that have been recorded. Finally, on the Facebook side of things, we're going to talk about an element of trolling. Not anything racist, not anything cyberbullying-wise, just simply making a general bit of a nuisance of yourself. Um, there's a small percentage of Facebook users that hide every single story they see on their newsfeed. And thanks to Facebook's machine learning algorithm, that heavily affects what not only the user sees, but other users connected to that user sees. It's crazy. Like, have you ever had a situation where your Facebook was full of a variety of content and then more and more it's just turned into Simpsons memes or posts from a particular person or whatever it may be. 
while other mitigating factors such as what you look at and what you engage with may have played a part in all that stuff coming together there's also the other element that other people may be deliberately trying to control the feed of what you see So before I kick off the final segment of this podcast in which we're talking about the weird and not so wonderful world of YouTube, I just wanted to tell you about a competition that we're doing on New Rising Media, which is the blog that this podcast is the official representative of. I don't know whether that's the right terminology for that, but you get the point. Learn Something is the official podcast of newrisingmedia.com you could win a copy of Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy on the PS4. All you have to do is subscribe to our mailing list. How to do that? Go on newrisingmedia.com slash subscribe and enter your email address in there. If you're listening to this on Anchor, you'll see the link on your screen right now as you are listening to this. So tap on that link and you'll go straight through to the page where you can enter your email address. If you're listening to this on podcast, I will pop this in the show notes and then you'll find the link there where you can like tap on it and get yourself entered. But in the meantime, let's move on to the final section. And now let's kick off the final segment and give you some YouTube knowledge. Created in 2005, this video sharing website has quickly evolved into the place of millennial celebrities that all think they're better than you in their sprawling, but really, really messed up vlogs at times. But anyway, personal opinions out the way. Turns out that the Janet Jackson wardrobe malfunction from the Super, Bi- Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl halftime show <laughs> was the inspiration to create YouTube. The incident made Janet Jackson the most searched item, and it was the most searched in internet history at the time, giving co-founder Jawad Karim the idea of creating a video sharing platform so people could share their their other controversial moments like this. Next up, we're going over to North Korea and more specifically, the fact that North Korean propaganda has an official website, Twitter, and most importantly, YouTube accounts. It's weird because you think that these sites are all typically blocked for anybody to use in North Korea but yet they still have these sites and these social presences so that people can see what they're up to. Such things on these as you can overhear includes a lot of people talking about military action over images of tanks, demonized images of the current president and black and white war imagery. It's very harrowing and if you want to check it out Although, if you have a intolerance to blood and gore, then I don't recommend you do so. You can check out youtube.com slash U-R-I-M-I-N-Z-O-K-K-I-R-I or Urimin Zakiri. And now it's time for some quickfire YouTube facts, starting with... 
It turns out that the first YouTube video was uploaded on the 23rd of April 2005. Next up for number 2, 1.3 billion people use YouTube with almost 5 billion videos watched every single day. For number 3, 8 out of 10 18 to 49 year olds watch YouTube and on current trends by 2025 half of the viewers under 32 will not have a paid for TV subscription service. Coming in at number 4, that number of 18 to 49 year olds means YouTube reaches more of this group than any cable TV network on the planet. And finally at number 5, approximately 20% of people who start a video leave after 10 seconds. So make sure your intro into any of these videos that you may create in the future is good. And finally, what's left is your trivia time. The time when I test your brain matter with a really, really difficult question. If you know the answer or if you want to give it a guess, then do call in on the Anchor Station. So find us on New, New Rising Media and Anchor, specifically the Learn Something Show. You can find us on the list in the Categories section if you tap the magnifying glass icon in the bottom left. You'll see us under the category, also conveniently called Learn Something. So, here's your question. For 20 years, the passwords for the United States nuclear missiles was extremely simple. Can you guess what that password was? The answer is terrifyingly surprising. So, if you want to give it a guess, then do call in to the sh to the station. I will echo any kind of answers that I get. Um, or if you want to have a guess on the discussions, then click on the speech bubble and have a type below on this segment. Good luck. I'll give you the answer tomorrow. And that's it for Tech Tuesday Part 2. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. It's been great to have you all along on this kind of crazy journey through some of the crazy facts in the wonderful world of technology. If you have any weird facts that you want to share with me, then you can do so via Anchor on the call-in segment, or if you're listening to this on podcasts, get at me on Twitter, at Mr. Jason England. Don't forget also to go on to newrisingmedia.com, pitched as a lifestyle blog for the future human, for some cutting-edge latest opinions and kind of blog-based, weird opinion-based... It's a strange site that I run, um, and... I'm very, very positive that you will go there and enjoy it primarily. So please do go over there, have a read. It's a mental place to go. And I would love each and every one of you if you went and read something. And besides that, you can like New Rising Media on Facebook. Obviously, I've already told you where I am on Twitter. New Rising Media is at New Rising underscore media. And all that's left now, is if you're listening to this on podcasts do subscribe rate us five stars or whatever kind of review and metric it is on your podcasting service thank you so much for listening and i will see you for weird wednesday part two <laughs>